Welcome to the Blue Rose Task Force podcast, where we usually look deep into Twin Peaks as a whole, one episode at a time, using the full scope of the show Twin Peaks and all its official media. For the past year, the podcast has been a watch-along podcast for those who've seen all of Twin Peaks, including the third season, which we do consider as we go along. But today is our birthday. And we wanted to celebrate with you by pulling back the curtain a bit and give you a look into what went into making the theme music that begins and ends our shows. So, hi, I'm uh, I'm John Bernardi. I'm the main host of the show. And I had been humming a version of this song for probably over a year back when I was only dreaming of making a podcast on Twin Peaks and um, hadn't quite made it over the hump of trying to do it for real. I know I tried a number of songs, you know, it's like while I was trying to figure out, you know, it's like, oh, what am I going to put in the show? I would hum on my on my commutes to work, you know, here and uh, here, you know, on the way there and on the way home. And it would be about, you know, 35 minutes each way. And I would just try things out while I was thinking about like what I would want to personally put into a show. And, um, you know, I know I tried a number of different uh, songs, uh, song ideas that hadn't quite turned into real songs yet. But, um, I kept going back to this thing that I wrote around 2005 when I was in a band. Um, our drummer at the time luckily had like an eight track digital recorder and, um, I'd, I'd find myself playing with it afterward, you know, after practices because I, um, I was kind of a, a newer musician, let's say, and it was easier to, um, you know, translate my ideas in the songs to pitch, you know, for the other guys, um, just by recording a handful of tracks and, uh, you know, putting together like these little song, um, these song sketches. And one of those times I was messing around with that a track, I was, um, I was sitting on the floor with my bass and there was a guitar nearby. So I started out with a click track. I dropped in the bass first and, um, then I added some vocals over the top of that, and then I added in the guitar. And the bass line being what it was, you know, it, it seemed like um, it seemed like it was nice and circular. And, um, you know, I didn't have to do too much with it, but I did want to have some kind of lyrics on it. So I, um, I pulled out these, um, I, I pulled out one of the poems that I'd written and uh, converted it into, uh, you know, like song lyrics. So um, the actual words of the poem are, the color comes back, the leaves are as red as the cedar chips underneath. The rain wraps the scene, the edges glow little halos. I come in from the rain, I lower my head, and a raindrop falls from my hair. The drop rolls around the edge of my ear, cold like a whisper. A shiver the size of a baby's palm takes my shoulders. I think of her again. And those words, I didn't remember very much of them um, when I was coming, um, you know, when, when I was coming up with the song, you know, humming it over in my head. I mean, I I didn't even find this uh, hard drive where the song sketch was until uh, well after the theme song was finished. You know, it's like it it's thematically kind of a happy accident because like there's um, there's a chorus I put in there like there's only so much night times. And, um, you know, thinking for her again, 
It's not exactly she's gone away by Nine Inch Nails, but I kind of feel like it's adjacent like that. Like it had nothing to do with Twin Peaks at the time, but it still kind of has that um, evoking someone kind of like Laura that you just can't forget about kind of thing. And, um, you know, Twin Peaks with memory. Eh? It, it just it just felt like the right kind of song all the way up and down. Now, when I was trying it out in the car for the show, or for, you know, for our show, um, the first thing I knew is that it wouldn't last for nearly as long as a full song. I figured we'd probably get a verse out of it at most, and, um, you know, the, the chorus and the intro. But, like you know, like, I knew the bridge was getting kicked out right away, but, you know, I kept thinking... You know, like maybe, maybe the verse would be in, and uh, so I would, I would basically like while I'm figuring that part out too. You know, I, I'm imagining it like a song from Morphine. You know, there's a two-string slide guitar or a slide bass guitar, and a, a saxophone guy uh, with a berry sax and a and a normal one, or I mean, a alto, and. Um, you know, like I wasn't quite sure what the drums would be, but you know, I I just kept I just kept messing around with it. You know, it's like would the uh, would the bass be like a you know, like it would slide around like that, or maybe the uh, but you know, the only thing I knew for sure is that the chorus part would be like a a saxophone and it would probably come in and the outro and it'd be like a whoa and uh yeah like i i was just um you know doing this over and over and it, it's it's a circular song so you know it's like you know right when the chorus would end it would be able to just be the bass guitar again all over again and it just felt right like even you know, e even though I knew that, you know, I I wasn't Mark Sandman with a bass, and I didn't have Dana Colley on the on the saxophones, I um I still thought for sure, you know, it's like okay, you know what, this is gonna be my placeholder until I figure out what I'm doing. And um, you know, fast forward to last August and September when um, when Elle and I were working hard deciding the shape of the show and everything, um, you know, we we figured out. We figured out no one had used Blue Rose Task Force as a name for a podcast yet, and we wanted to claim that as soon as we could on the uh, on the podcast, uh, you know, the the aggregators or the podcatchers or whatever you call them, um, you know, ap Apple Podcasts, yeah, that, those kind of places. And um, we wanted to have a trailer up, and we needed a theme song super quick. So, uh, yeah, we, we actually had to kind of come up with this in short order. So we wanted something original because, A, um, you know, we, we didn't want to get taken down for copyright infringement. <laughs> you know, fair use is what it is now, but uh, those those uh, rules can change any day. Um, and uh, B, L is a DJ and a radio host and a vocalist who knew a ton of musicians she knew like right away that her friend Joe would be a perfect fit for this. You know, she knew that uh, she could collaborate with him like very soon. So, you know, it's like, okay, great. Let's have a go with it. And, um, you know, I figured they were going to be, um, you know, vibing with each other and coming up with things on their side of things. But, you know, I, I figured out in case it helped, I said I could pass along something that, you know, maybe they could, you know, find a vibe from and start something with it. Um, 
you know, I, I, I wasn't expecting <laughs> what they did, but so like in, in my phone, um, on a lunch break in my car, because I still hadn't found the, um, the hard drive that this song sketch was on, I just hum out the parts. You know, I can't remember if I whistled or if I actually hummed into, uh, you know, my headphones, <laughs> but either way, I'm sure this, this recording is absolutely terrible. And, um, <laughs> but I did it, you know, I hum out the bass part first and then I hummed out the guitar part and then I hummed out the chorus part. And, um, you know, it's, I, I didn't know if they would find it interesting. I didn't know if my voice was any good that day. And, uh, you know, like I, um, but you know, I, I wanted to do my due diligence and, you know, contribute something to start with from, you know, six time zones away. You know, I, I, at this point, I basically made my peace with the fact that it'd be a good starting point and that I was never going to hear it completely like that again. But, you know, little did I know it's actually going to work down to the notes as the actual song. I'm joined by Joe Coyne, who was the mastermind behind our theme. And we're going to do a little song exploder style inquiry into how it came to be thanks for joining me joe morning morning <laughs> afternoon um we've got Six our months. large cups of joe because coffee is obviously an essential part of how everything is made in the peak scene universe i mean obviously you've been making music for years you've done a lot of collaborations with um with your sister there's an amazing amazing collaboration with a friend of ours called dan you've done uh, work with a lot of different people um which at the end i'll ask you where we can potentially find some of that if there's anything online that you'd want to share um but yeah the background of us working together actually interestingly came around with a twin peaks inspired track I think yeah it was the first track we made yeah audrey's dream so you kind of started on the uh the uh, prophet 12 which is an analog synthesizer and uh then yeah we kind of made a jam and we tried to um get that kind of nostalgia um like wispiness um and then you know, like build a track from uh from there and it's quite an interesting i think it's um Brian, you know, described it as um, when you're young, you're used to playing with toys together. But as an adult, you need to replace those toys sometimes rather than just hanging out and drinking, which is a lot of people do. I think when we hang out, we kind of like, um, you know, experiment with musical toys, I guess. And and I think uh, it's interesting you chose uh, that kind of vibe to go. And it's, uh, yeah, I think it's... We haven't actually released that track, but we've got loads of ideas which have got the same. It kind of evolved into more of a trip-hop thing, didn't it? Yeah, but it definitely, I think, because you have um, a lovely array of synths and a huge technical know-how, that Angela, Angelo Badalamenti sound that came from the Twin Peaks soundtrack definitely mm. was a just a natural starting point to the kind of music that we started making together. But... Yeah, so Audrey's dream was the was the start of it, which is quite interesting. But then um, it's cut to um, last year. Uh, mm -hmm. John and I had begun working on Blue Rose Task Force, and we needed a theme. Um, so, can you just describe the process of how the theme began and how that kind of speaks to your? work style and how you generally start tracks and then develop them further 
Uh, yeah, like I have no set method of starting tracks. In fact, I actually purposely like approach it from a different angle each time. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the first time anyone's sung anything to me. And then I just interpreted that, uh, which is, I think is really, I've, I've, I've kind of like heard of that approach before, like when someone's got like a tune mm-hmm. and then they voice note it to someone, a producer, and they kind of... Um, develop it from there so I thought it was really interesting that John had this idea which he kind of like painstakingly went through the little elements of uh, the main motif and uh, so what I did was uh, use my um, sampler um, called the Prophet X and I did a, a, like a clarinet sound um, to, for the main kind of um, main motif and then I accompanied that with other synths just to like pad it out happening. so it's kind of got that paddy sound from the Twin Peaks you know like maybe a more of a modern sound uh, and then yeah did some like um, drums around it and then um, you kind of uh, found some like uh, bits of uh, Lynch talking, and then you kind of did your own little and, bits. Uh, Frost yeah. as well. Yeah. You kind of chipped in. You like co-producer, and you were like kind of like you know suggesting little bits, and and then we uh, then we sent it to John, and it's really hilarious his response, which uh, I was like Mozart doesn't have to deal with this kind of thing. He goes, um, it works, it's really good, but it doesn't work at double speed. Like, like people listen to uh, podcasts on double speed nowadays. So your thin tune has got too many trilly bits in there. Like, I had to lessen the trills, um, and then sent it back, and then it was approved. Um, but uh, yeah, thankfully it wasn't too many edits. Um, and yeah, I I listened when I listened to it on my speakers just before I got here. I was like, oh, this is. This should be developed more, you know, so I think it could be worked into our project. Um, But, yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it almost fittingly feels like it's going to do a full circle back to Audrey's Dream where some some ideas that we had in our first track that we made together might um, be incorporated into the theme and then developed into a full track. So I will say the first time that I heard it, it was really strange hearing it in synth first. You know, it kind of felt like uh, the, the the original way that I was hearing it with the morphine kind of thing. It almost felt like it was like the original Battle Mente soundtrack, um, you know, with the guitars and the woodwinds and all that. And um, and then this version that I got from Joe and L, um, this this new version had like all the synth pop of the chromatics and everything so it's kind of like they brought season three sensibilities to this thing which was awesome um you know joe joe did a great job with the actual instrumentation and the mixing um he came up with with a few variations on it like there, there were four total variations like some with uh with words and some without you know, all four of these tracks, you know, it's like we listened to the first one and it started out awesome. And then the next one was always better than the last one. And we ended up using the fourth, uh, the fourth edition of this. And, um, you know, like, like I said, it, it's got this kind of season three sensibility to a song that I came up with at one point. And, um, the, the best part about it is it still had the soul in it. You know, it's like with the, uh, 
it, it was it was such a giant surprise that they they went with the the music that I brought to them, and I mean it, it really it really made me happy. It was really nice bringing a song that um, I had like written and then shelved, and like it never became a song in the band, and yet here we are, um, you know, bringing <laughs> bringing it back from the dead in a lot of ways. Uh, but yeah, the um, the other great surprise that I got listening to this song was um, with L adding all those interview clips. Uh, the 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 moments that we get to hear Mark Frost speak and David Lynch speak. You know, it's like their voices were really the Chef's Kiss here, and I, you know, I I had no idea that was going to be there, and it just feels so good. You know, I, I suspect those phrases were things that L had been pondering for a while, or like, you know, like I, I, you know, like she had these these particular ideas, and like she knew where to find them, and like just needed a place to 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 park them, and uh, it was really nice that she added it to the song, and um, it really ends up telling the story of what we we wanted to convey with Blue Rose Task Force podcast, and I love how it all just kind of came together you know it's like all told this happened in about two months into the planning of the show you know it's like we all we had was a name i mean we we had a good structure to work with but like we didn't have any episode research at this point or anything um so like you know we we just knew that we had a good name that we wanted to claim you know it's like it was still early stages but then when we got this when they sent me this song you know, it's like I could feel 100% that this was going to be a great experience. Uh, just the way it was working with Elle at the beginning and, uh, you know, how, how Joe came in and helped. <laughs> like, it, it's just, uh, you know, because Joe put in a lot of himself in, in this, too. And I can't wait to hear what he has to say about this. But, you know, all the pieces were dropping into place. And, um, you know, here we are one year later and, you know, sure, Elle had to shift from a co-host to a field agent. But, you know, otherwise, the, the promise of what we did in this one song with Joe absolutely came true. And, um, you know, I, I couldn't be more happy or, uh, you know, I, I couldn't be more happy with it or thankful. I mean, I think it'd be interesting um, to make a track which like almost like um, how soundtracks work. Um, so you have themes which um, transmogrify into different songs and then maybe you have callbacks into the main theme. Maybe we could do something like that, be interesting. Um, um, yeah, I'm interested uh, in all that kind of, um, I'm trying to get more into um, game soundtracks. I'm working on a project with my friend, but he's still yet to get funding with it. But um, as a, a future uh, prison breakout movie style thing where it's it's set in the future and you're not sure where the jail is and it's kind of it's very uh it's a, it's a shoot him up but it's got some really good interest he's an artist and he even makes the actual things and then a bit like i don't know if they played mortal Kombat when you're young it's like that's the first photo real mainstream game where they've mm -hmm. taken actors and they've photographed and then animated the photos mm -hmm. so he's kind of like referencing that kind of thing but uh, yeah we'll see how it goes with that but I do definitely uh, want to expand my compositional angle where you're you're not just thinking in a three to six minute song you're actually thinking right there's a theme here mm -hmm. where can it go can it come back to it 
So things like that and more atmospherics basically. How did you find talking of, of, of soundtracks and scores? How did you find the shift from the original having this? How did you find from having the original have this very iconic score from Angelo Badalamenti, which was a record in and of its own right and became a big part of the Twin Peaks lore, I guess, um, to the shift in the return where they had very minimal score and then um, bands and acts playing at the Roadhouse after each episode. How did you find that and why do you think they made that artistic um, choice? Uh, if you notice, uh, didn't you, I mean, it's uh, there's lots of um, uh, interesting, like, sort of edgy um, series now and some of them are completely silent, you know, like if you in, increase the eeriness or something. Uh, or they're very sparse with the, um, uh, you know, the music, and it's got way more like a powerful emotional effect on you. I think, uh, I think as we grew up, you know, if you go back in time and you watch these old movies, and they're just caked in violins and things like that, and it's, that's because uh, that's the culture of how uh, music used to work in film and, and series and things like that. And uh, I think uh, now we're moving into this era where. Um, people realize that uh, it's the it's the magic of music and it's got to be used very sparsely at the right moment and that's when it has maximum effect i mean obviously it's not always the case um but i think that um lynch obviously wanted a break from his past and so he purposely completely went into the zone where you've got even an outlandish idea of uh, having these bands on you know, completely disrupt the rhythm of it and to make a break, I think. Mm. Uh, you know, obviously his theme was that uh, the past can't be repeated and I think that was a part of that was the music, definitely. Mm. Mm. Um, but also it's quite surreal as well because it's almost turned into a Jules Holland kind of thing where he's like, hold on, uh, why is this band and what's it got to do with the rest of the thing? And it, like, doesn't have that, like, it's quite interesting. It's like it's not really connected. So for our American listeners, Jules Holland is a kind of variety style, fairly highbrow um, music uh, show that's been going for years. I'm not even sure if it's still going, but it's it's been going for a long time where you just have a, a lot of different acts on, um, hosted by uh, an English musician called Jules Holland. Um, yeah, definitely had that kind of element um, of like almost like a, yeah, a show at the end of the show or some kind of meta breaking of the third wall. Um, and it's interesting what you said about the sparseness of the soundtrack and um, what I really enjoyed with the return is if you had the subtitles on, the amount of times on the subtitles it just said ominous drone. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there was definitely something there. It was just under the surface, which I think, as you said, made it a lot more unsettling and wouldn't give us the wouldn't give us the emotional release that we wanted. There was a couple of times where the, the old theme came in back in, I think when Bobby saw a picture of Laura and he suddenly, you know, all the strings and the melodramatic sounds, but um, yeah, it's an interesting thing. And I think, yeah, Lynch is such an interesting artist because he's a musician as well as a painter, as well as a filmmaker, as well as a general, you know, tinkerer and <laughs> um, multimedia artist. But I think the original was, 
in my mind, commenting a lot on the kind of TV landscape at the time, which is very soap opera very melodramatic. Um, yeah, all these big sweeping uh, strings and whatnot. Um, and then The Return seemed to be commenting on on TV as a form now, which is this prestige TV, which ironically it kind of instigated. But um, yeah, very sparse soundtrack and um, and not giving anyone any cheap emotional thrills or releases unless it's completely deserved and, and earned and sometimes hard earned in the case of The Return. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a Twin Peaks expert, expert, um, I said expert then, because <laughs> I had to be just eating eggs for breakfast, that's why I've got eggs in my mouth. Um, but I uh, really like that bit where um, I think the original persona was based on the David Bowie character, you know, when he's like a th- he's like a third dimensional dimensional character, and they go into this zone where it's this nineteen uh, twenties music which goes on the loop, and it's kind of like and it's just like you're stuck in that bit for ages. Yeah, I really like that bit the, where they use the music to affect. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like that is, that was really good, and it's really eerie, and, mm-hmm. and, it, and you kind of like it was so slow moving because he kind of like plays with the pace, doesn't he? And he's using the music to like really get you into like a bit where you almost feel trapped in this like bit. Uh, and it was like the record going around in the loop mm. kind of thing. And I thought, wow, that's that was really good. Use the music. Um, and yeah, come to think of it, the original and the return were both quite jarring because the original used the themes so much that actually it became quite repetitive and in that sense quite hypnotic. But then the return was hypnotic in a different way and using music as a form of sort of spinning this uh this spell over the over the viewer and the listener at the same time i wonder if there's any links you want to send us to online or any social media accounts that you want us to follow you on uh well we know each other by dan uh, garrett so we have a band called Cyfunkel, which we've only released one EP, but it's quite interesting. We have like um, one track in particular uh, called Super Spangle Sunday, which we thought it was Sunday, or it turned out to be Monday. Um, so it was after a bit of a bender, but we kind of like set up these scents in this uh, French chateau, which I live um, in, and we kind of mic'd up the pool table and there's a load of parakeets in the background. and. We were kind of um, just jiving off the environment. We made a sort of like techno track out of that. So that'd be quite interesting for anyone who's interested in, um, yeah, quite experimental electronic sound. Which... Can you just spell out, spell out for our listeners how you spell siphon call? <laughs> I thought it was like, spell out your, uh, you know, background. I was like, no, spell your name. Um, it's P for pterodactyl, uh, S Y F U. N K E L Cyphuncle, like yeah, like psychedelic, but for like a psych- psychedelic Simon Garfunkel, basically. Yeah. Which is where I got called. Uh, why I got called that initially because I'd make up like Simon Garfunkel style songs and then like make it more a bit more psychedelic. But then when I was collaborating with Dan, it became more electronic based. So um, yes, it doesn't actually sound like Simon Garfunkel. Don't worry. <laughs> No, it's a really interesting experimental record. I really recommend um, putting it on and just 
getting lost in the music. Um, and just quickly, you mentioned where you live, and it's an interesting story because, as um, our listeners will know, we've been talking a lot about the cinematic links and themes and I've mentioned The Shining quite a few times and just quickly before you go I just wondered if you could um, paint the picture of where you actually make your music. Yeah so I am the caretaker of a um, trade union building. Um, my friends call it the the Marxist Palace. Uh, it's quite interesting because it's very regal and it's was used as a conference centre, but it's in the process of being sold, but it's been in limbo for a few years. So, yeah, it's a very strange place to be because it's sort of collectively owned, um, but it's a symbol of the aristocratic kind of, um, you know, history. It's got lots of different, uh, you know, interesting. Anna Pavlova would uh, come and um, dance there. Jane Austen used to walk around the gardens and you have all sorts of famous people who've got connection to the place. So I'm luckily um, custodian of that for time being and uh, I really want to get into in, um, into recording some of the acoustic uh, spheres a bit more. We're using a, like a handheld device, which I bought for the occasion, but I've actually yet to get around uh, to doing that, but I want to get more into doing that. Um, so yeah, just recording spaces, and I think the ear likes that because most music you listen to is algorithmic reverb, but your brain actually loves um, figuring out um, its environment from the reflections. And I think it's especially for headphones and things like that. I want to get more into doing that and reamping things, so you get a flavour of the building. But um, yeah, it's got lots of um, Italian marble and things like that, which is really great for reflections. Yeah. So that's about all we have time for today. Thank you so much for tuning into this special bonus episode, delving into the theme of Blue Rose Task Force and watch this space. If Joe and I do develop the theme into a longer track, we'll make sure to share that with our listeners. Back to you, John. Thank you for going on the journey with Blue Rose Task Force for our first full year and for celebrating with us this episode. It has been a pleasure speaking to you. And it will be a pleasure to continue this journey with you in the years to come. Blue Rose Task Force podcast is a production of Ruminations Radio Network and TV Obsessive Radio. And this episode was produced by Mitch Proctor. If you resonate with what you're hearing, please subscribe, rate, and review our show. And we would love to connect with you on Twitter at Blue Rose TF Pod, on Counter Social at Blue Rose Task Force Podcast, and Instagram and Facebook at Blue Rose Task Force. You can find me at JPB underscore Little Green on Twitter and John underscore the underscore Peaky on Instagram. Visit ruminationsradionetwork.com for additional great shows such as Retro Futurist Culture and Cinephile Hissy Fit. And join the hosts from Ruminations Radio Network, myself included, on our Discord channel, Ruminations Radio Cafe. Find any number of classic 25YL Twin Peaks articles, including my entire Electricity Nexus work, at 25yearslatersite.com. If you want to be part of our next mailbag episode, send any comments, questions, or feedback to Blue Rose Task Force Podcast at gmail.com or catch us on the social medias. And we'll see you next time back to our regularly scheduled programming with Twin Peaks Episode 22, the 23rd overall episode of Twin Peaks. Until then, listeners, I'll see you in my dreams.